the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, by Evolution Sports in Redlands, and Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics. And now, filling in for Philip Naiman, your host for today, Scott McAfee. For those who find it difficult to understand that the American people have voted for Donald Trump, get over it because he's President of the United States. And what I would say for all of us here, and this actually includes uh, myself, is that we have to ask ourselves, why is it that people felt so left behind that they've ta- made the democratic decisions that they've had, which we um, uh, think we can't understand some of us. How, how can you possibly vote for Brexit? How can you possibly vote for Donald Trump? And the fact is that the people have. These were the forgotten people. And just like we had the forgotten people in the United Kingdom, there are the forgotten people in the United States of America. We may not like some of the things that he says, and I certainly don't like some of the things that he said in the past, but I do respect the fact that he stood on a platform which he is now delivering. He is going to go down in history as being roundly condemned for being the only politician to deliver on his promises. I know that we can all go back and talk to the people that we know in our own little echo chambers and that we, we all we hear are the same things, but the fact is that there were 61 million people who voted for Donald Trump. And when we stand up in this country and then condemn him for being racist, and I've seen no evidence of that, uh, I have seen no evidence of him uh, being racist or that they attack him in, in an unseemly way, we're actually attacking the American people, the 61 million people who voted for Donald Trump. If they wanted more of the same or the usual stuff, well, that was on the ballot paper. But they decided by the majority of states on the Electoral College, as it works, that they wanted Donald Trump. Yes, uh, that was Nigel Evans addressing Parliament. Uh, I know it's kind of a long intro clip, but I thought it was so good. I mean, you can almost kind of just just imagine those those leftist limey squirming in their seats while this guy's going off. I am Scott McAfee. I'm the owner of Don's Bicycle Store in Rialto and Redlands, and I'm filling in for Philip Naiman this week. Phil is actually home recovering from knee surgery. He'll do anything to get out of a hard day's work. Well, look at the bright side, Phil. You can actually lie around the house all day and watch MSNBC. You know, gosh, that Rachel Maddow is just so hot. I do want to, of course, uh, point out a few sponsors of the Firing Line Radio Show. Vortex Optics, that's supplier of scopes and binoculars. Uh, the best glass for your... Actually, I can't say that word on the air, can I? Nope, I can't use that word. So you'll just have to use your imagination. Also sponsored by Cutting Edge Bullets. They are the suppliers of no lead hunting for your personal defense bullets. Think Cutting Edge for when you care enough to send the very best. And once again, Hex Mag, California Legal Glock, and AR-15 magazines. So I know when Phil first asked me to fill in on the show, I think my first response was, I don't know if I'm worthy. I mean, I, I am a gun owner. 
Uh, I am going through the process of getting a CCW, something I want to talk to you about here in a little bit. Um, but I'm certainly, I'm no gun expert, but I, I, I appreciate the Second Amendment and, and all the things that go along with that. Normally, for those of you who listen to AM590, you may know me from the main event show, where I am the fairly regular co-host and occasional host, along with Ed Hoffman on that program. And on that program, we deal primarily with politics. And I'd say if I have any specialty at all, it's more in the, more in the political realm than the firearm realm. But I thought, eh, what the heck? Let's let's go for it. So I am honored to uh, to take over the mic for Phil this week. He should be back in a couple weeks when his boo boos have healed. Um, I wanted to kind of enter into this segment uh, with uh, with my my experience getting a CCW as well as uh, just some church training that I was involved with recently. I'm actually um, I attend uh, St. Joseph Catholic Church in Upland. My wife is a devout Catholic. I'm not. Uh, but I'm there on a pretty regular basis. And not only that, but I'm actually an usher in this church. And as part of being an usher in this church, they wanted you to go through some training. And this was training to assist in the event of an emergency. So, for example, if somebody has a heart attack or or you're dealing with a, a life-threatening situation, you know what to do. So, so I went through this training. It was like an all-day training program. And they they basically taught us first aid. We went through CPR. And I was actually really glad I went through the, the CPR training because CPR has actually changed even over the last 12 months. The way that they administer CPR is different than how they used to do it several years ago. So it was kind of a nice refresher course in CPR. They also gave us training on how to deal with uh, the event of, of, of wounds uh, if, if somebody was shot or uh, if somebody uh, passed out. And it was kind of really weird because like literally a week after was it maybe two weeks after I went through the training, we actually had somebody pass out in the church and I, I didn't know if they were going to make it. And I was pretty much ready to administer CPR at that point. Didn't, didn't need to thank God. Thank God. But it was, I was at least glad that I had the training. I knew what to do uh, and so forth. But, but the end of the training, they talked about what to do in the event of a terrorist attack. And this was um, training that had been put together after the San Bernardino attacks. And basically the, the federal government put together this, a video that we all watched. And what they did is they, they kind of simulated in the video what, what happens in the event of like, like a, a workplace shooting. So they show this guy walking into an office building. I'm sure very similar to what happened in, in San Bernardino. And, uh, and he has an AR-15. He basically starts shooting up the place. So the, the, the point of the matter, uh, the, the bottom line is they said, okay, the first thing you should do in the event of a, of a shooting situation, an active shooting situation is to run, right? And that almost seems kind of like self-explanatory. I mean, what, what's your first entering? Just probably run and get the hell out of there. The second thing that they advise you to do is to hide. Okay. So if you can't run, then you hide. So they show people hiding under their cubicles or behind their chairs. And so that was, that was the second thing you're supposed to do. The third thing, if you can't run and you can't hide, then you fight. Right. So what they showed was uh, some of the office workers, literally one guy grabs a fire extinguisher and he starts running towards the guy with the AR-15. Now, the, the problem is that's where the video ends. And I don't know. I don't know if the guy was supposed to squirt the attacker with the fire extinguisher or just throw the fire extinguisher at the guy. I didn't, didn't actually explain that part. So, so basically the, the movie's over and there's about 30 people in this training session and I'm there sitting there and, and, I, I held up my hand and the guy called on me and I said, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this is the proper format to bring this up, but wouldn't it make sense if somebody in that office building had a gun and was trained to use it? 
And the funny thing was, you know, I'm looking around at the reactions of people in that room and you could kind of see there was people rolling their eyes going, oh, my God, here's the gun nut in the room. And, and the fact of the matter is I'm not a gun nut. I'm not a gun nut. Uh, I have four firearms um, and, and I, I go to shooting ranges periodically when I can. But to me, it was like that just seems so common sense. And and I think when we look at not only attacks like in San Bernardino, but we've had multiple attacks over the past 12 months. Doesn't it make sense? Does don't people have a better fighting shot at it if they are if they are armed and trained in how to use that? So that was one of the things that certainly motivated me to seek my my CCW, my concealed permit carry. So I want to give people a few points on that process. If you're even thinking about doing it, the, the good news for you, if you live in San Bernardino County, is that the sheriff for San Bernardino County is actually very, very supportive of people's uh, right to a concealed permit. So I went through, uh, first of all, you fill out a bunch of forms online and then they call you for an appointment. So I go into the appointment and I will admit I was unprepared. Um, and you, the point is, here's what my advice to anybody that's listening that wants to go through this process. Read the forms. Do what they tell you to do. I went in there with just a driver's license. You're supposed to have your birth certificate. I went in there with a check. You're supposed to have a money order, not just a regular money order, but a money order from the post office for the various different fees. The point is that I got bumped the hell out of there and I had to wait like a year before I could go back and do it again. So I have now gone through that process. Coming up in a couple of weeks, I'll be taking my range test uh, at the DeVore facility where you go through a classroom, they teach you things, and they basically want to make sure that you can actually fire the darn thing. Uh, but but the important thing for me about a CCW, it's, it's, it's something that I don't even really want to an extent. I really don't want to carry a firearm. I really don't. I don't want to have to do it. However, based in light of events, and, and it seems like, Seems like forever ago that San Bernardino happened. It was actually only a year ago that we had one of the worst mass shootings in the United States. I feel that I need to. And likewise, when I'm in that church and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, you know, if one or two gunmen burst into this church and just start unloading, these people would be like sitting ducks. And I just don't want to be in this situation. So the point is, do it, get trained, know what you're doing. Um, and, and that way you will be able to defend yourself in, in these kinds of situations. So coming into um, coming into this show, the one thing I asked Phil about doing this show is I said, do you ever have people from the opposite side of the political spectrum to debate you on these issues uh, on gun rights and Second Amendment issues, gun control? And his answer was, you know, I really don't. And it's not that we haven't asked. We ask people, but they don't they don't come on. And I thought that was important because obviously we have a lot of division in this country. We have a lot of emotion. There's a lot of almost hatred going on both sides. So in the next segment, I'm going to bring on a prominent member from the left, and he and I will debate these issues one-on-one, uh, -on -one, left versus right. It's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun. It will either be some of the best radio you've ever heard or it will be an unmitigated disaster. So I want you to stay tuned for the next segment, and then I'll be right back after just a few short messages. Thanks. A message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws 
and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And their pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590 the answer this portion of the firing line is brought to you by bullseye sports in riverside and cutting edge bullets for when you care enough to send the very best welcome back to the firing line radio show i am scott mcafee filling in for philip Naiman this week phil is recovering from knee surgery so he's got lots of free time over the next two weeks i do want to make one disclaimer as i am not a professional radio talk show host just an incredible simulation and if you are a regular listener of the Firing Line Radio Show, you know each week the conversations about the latest in firearms, hunting, and the gun rights afforded all Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. And you should know by now that Phil's faithful companion in the battle to uphold these rights has been the Firing Line's longtime sponsor, Vince Torres at Bullseye Sports Guns at Ammo in Riverside. You've heard Phil talk about the Firing Line Gun of the Month Challenge created in response to anti-gun legislation in Sacre de Bullseye Sport is one of the establishments participating in that challenge. Each month, there is a special offer on a firearm. February is actually the month of love, and Vince is showing the love by offering a Stag Arms Complete AR-15 M4 Lower Receiver Multi-Caliber for just $239.99. Supplies are limited. Call Bullseye Sport in Riverside, where the Inland Empire gets its guns and ammo. And that's 951-823-0211. That's 951-823-0211. So, as I promised in the last segment, I wanted to bring a prominent member of the left-wing community to discuss and debate the Second Amendment issues. And I I really want to have this discussion, this debate, for a couple of reasons. Number one... I believe that you can disagree with somebody politically um, and on and, and almost almost every issue and yet still be friends. You don't have to hate the other person. I think that most of us would agree there is a lot of nasty divisiveness in our country and we see people unfriending each other on Facebook and I don't talk to that person anymore just because they disagree with that person politically. The other thing that I have found is that if you have an honest, respectful discussion with somebody from the other side of the political spectrum, inevitably, if you try, you can find issues that you can actually agree upon. In other words, you can find common ground with those individuals. So I want to bring on a friend of mine. This is Ken from Liberal Sonoma. And just to give you a little bit of a background, Ken and I have debated probably every issue 
just about you can think of. We debated Islam, does God exist, gay marriage, the Iraq war. And these these debates are always very lively, a whole lot of fun. And quite frankly, I would rather spend time talking with Ken on these issues than just a fellow right winger. I just find them very entertaining, very engaging. So on that note, Ken from Liberal Sonoma, welcome to the Fire and Line Radio Show. Well, thank you, Scott. And I'd like to say hello to the listening audience. Yeah, well... Go ahead. Just, just for uh, disclosure, you know, I am a gun owner, and um, I just shot over the weekend. You did? So, um, oh, yeah. Was that in preparation for our debate? or? <laughs> no, I, I no. Again, I'm a gun owner, and, uh, you know, my brother and I, we tried out his new uh, Glock uh, 40, or 9mm, rather, and um, I took down my 45 at 9mm, and we had a ball. Okay, see, and here's the first point, though. You're not your typical liberal, because people on the right look at people on the left, and they figure those are the people that want to pry the guns out of our cold, dead hands. You don't necessarily fall into that category yourself. No, but I do believe that there ought to be sensible, um, you know, gun laws, you know, for example, um, background checks. Universal background checks, I think, are important. Um, They protect um, the public at large, you know, they protect... um, um, you know, everybody to, to be sure that guns don't fall into the wrong hands. Right. And here's one area where you and I can agree. And it's a bad thing for bad people to have guns. But I guess my question is, don't we already have those laws already? Well, um, not totally. You know, you can still buy guns, um, you know, right off the table at uh, many gun shows, uh, you know, in the country. Uh, I know that, um, Trump just uh, uh, did an executive order repealing uh, a uh, uh, an executive order that Obama put in to where uh, individuals with mental illness are now free to purchase guns, and so that should um, uh, hopefully send a shock to the. Uh, the community here. Okay, well, one thing, though, is you mentioned, I mean, people still have to go through background checks, even if they go to a gun show. I mean, it's not like they can just go, here, here's 200 bucks, and they walk out of the place, right? I mean, again, and I'm not, you probably are actually know more about guns than I do, but is that not correct? Well, I know it is in the state of California. I'm not sure, um, you know, through Georgia, Mississippi, um, you know, through those areas. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't claim to be an expert on that kind of stuff. But in terms of like, for example, there was legislation put out that just now you have to do a background check to get ammunition. I think that's ridiculous. Your take on that. Um, I have no problem with that. You know, as a matter of fact, I bought ammo at Walmart. Um, I thought you hated Walmart. uh, (laughs) uh, Well, it was convenient. All right. Um, At any rate, um, I bought ammo. There was no background, uh, not even an ID check, and although I am over the age. But, uh, no, that didn't, uh, you know, come into uh, into play there. Okay, so but, uh, go ahead. Uh, again, again, you know, um, uh, I, I have no problem with waiting period uh, for ammo and certainly not for guns. Okay. Um you know, if you know, we all plan things out. You know, we know when our days off are. You know, we we plan with our friends. You know, when we're going to go shoot. Um, I think it's only the criminal where um, shooting is a spontaneous sport. Right, and and I think the thing is, you're again. I, I have other friends on the left, and when I kind of get to the main point, they're saying, "Well, yeah, eventually they'd like to have firearms removed from American citizens." You do not advocate that position. No. Okay, because obviously. No, you know, the, um, 
you know, heavy equipment, you know, AR-15s, military assault rifles. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little, a little uh, cautious about that. Okay, so um, you're saying you're uh, saying you would take those things away if you could. Yeah. You would. Okay. All right. And here's the problem that I think people on the right have with people on the left is that we realize that they couldn't go in there and just take all the guns away tomorrow. So they'll do it slowly and incrementally. So this year will be an AR-15. Next year it'll be this. Next year it'll be that. And then pretty soon they're going to want to take everything. That's kind of the concern of the right uh, versus versus the left. I mean, your your take on that. I mean, it's like it's like it never ends. They're never happy. You know what I mean? Uh, Well, you know, I I think that. yeah, politically, it's a group that the right can, you know, pull in their, um, you know, they've gotten in the corner, you know, so they can they can rub up the base by, um, you know, red meat and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, going back to, um, you know, military assault rifles, you know, yeah. um, you know, there's enough carnage that um, can be done just with a, a semi-auto, semi-auto revolver. I mean, no, they're semi-auto um, gun, you know, pistol. And so if you've got uh, um, multi-round clips, you know, 30, 50, 90 round clips, um, you know, I mean, we're talking, um, you know, a, a lot of casualties. And, uh, you know, that, that should be regulated. Okay, but again, it's like the the problem is the regulation, though, seems to go towards the good people that have guns. You and I both agree it's a good thing for good people to have guns, especially in a situation like just happened in San Bernardino. That's a good thing. In other words, you and I would both agree that if somebody in that room had a firearm, that, that, that the casualties might have been less if somebody was trained and armed with a CCW. Do you agree with that? Well, and that's where the police department, you know, plays a vital role. And let's not... Um you know, demonize regulations. Regulations are actually protections. I would much uh, rather trust somebody that went to the range uh, at least once a week rather than uh, somebody that claims that they're a good shot and would be a cool hand uh, with a uh, concealed carry permit, uh, you know, the good guy with the white hat. Okay, well, the, the, the uh, problem with what you just said, though, is that you may be the first responder. I don't know how long it took the cops to get to this scene, but by that time, there was a, a room full of dead people. So I'm, I'm coming back to the point that if one of those individuals was trained, had a CCW, that that would have been a good thing, and the odds of all those people dying would have been a lot less. Perhaps. But perhaps. The, perhaps, but... These folks had, you know, AR-15 assault rifles. Correct. And you you can pull off a lot more rounds, um, and you can you can spray you know, the audience more or the crowd more effectively um, with an assault rifle than um, you know with a, a handgun. So, um, and, and even even a, a police officer, you know, somebody that was well trained, um, you, you know, it, it's a it's, a 50-50, um, you know, bet whether they would have been effective against two uh, people armed with, you know, military assault weapons. Okay, but you're talking of 50-50 odds as opposed to zero odds if you have nothing. You're well, just a sitting duck. Um, so obviously that's that's a little bit of an area where we maybe disagree. The only thing I'd say about Obama and this legislation, it seemed like every time Obama opened up his mouth, gun sales went up. You would agree with that? Yeah, and a lot of that, I think, was spurred on by um, conspiracy a theorist, you know, um, our friend Alec Jones, you know, um, uh, he, he, I think he talked about, 
the federal government, Obama, Clinton, you know, um, taking guns away literally every day, if not every week on his program. Not going to listen to it, but just um, by doing a little bit of research. Very good. All right, so here's what the deal is. We're going to wind down this segment. I want to have another segment with Ken because I find this discussion fascinating and a whole hell of a lot of fun. Ken, can you stay with me for the next segment? I sure can. All right, we'll be right back after a few short messages. Stay with us. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn? Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of the Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, by Evolution Sports in Redlands, and CCW Safe. And welcome back to the Firing Line Radio Show. I am Scott McAfee. I'm the owner of Don's Bicycle Store in Rialto and Redlands, and I'm filling in for Philip Naiman this week. Phil is actually home nursing a boo boo. He's going through knee surgery, so he'll be gone for the next couple weeks. So he's got yours truly to help fill in. Uh, Our last segment, actually, I've got Ken from Liberal Sonoma. My friend Ken, we're going to be debating the left versus the right, part two. And in this segment, uh, Ken's going to pick a topic that he wants me to respond to, and then I'll take the next five minutes and I'll throw a topic at him. So we'll do some kind of back and forth. The only ground rules, by the way, to our debates are that I agree not to yell and Ken agrees not to swear. (laughs) Because obviously we can't do that on the air like we'd normally do when Ken and I talk about these issues. We've had multiple debates on multiple topics. So, Ken, your topic for me uh, for the next five minutes, what do you got? Well, I'd like to talk about uh, investigating the Trump administration over ties <laughs> to, to, to Russia. Okay. Uh, his good friend uh, Manafort and Flynn are both frequent flyers and guests of uh, Valdemar Putin, you know, the uh, dictator of Russia. Okay. You know, with all this talk in, in uh, you know, 2014, 15, 16 about Benghazi, emails, investigate, you know, all these things, 13 investigations on Benghazi alone, or maybe there were 16, you know, where is the Republicans? Where are these people? Where is um, Jason Chavitz? You know, where is the House Oversight Committee? Okay, and when you talk about you know, investigating, you're talking about Russian hacks. Are we, can we be, is that what we're talking I, about? I'm here? talking about Russian hacks. Okay. I'm talking about, um, um, you know, Flynn, what he told um, Putin about. Uh, he didn't talk to Putin. I believe he talked to the Russian ambassador, as, I, as far as I understand. Uh, yeah, L- Lisky or L- But anyway, um, about sanctions that uh, Obama had put on. They had a conversation that day. Um, so there's just many, many things. I think that there's probably over 
you know, 50 to 100 lawsuits on the administration already. Well, yeah, no um, surprise there. All right, well, let's take these things one at a time. First of all, regarding Flynn, as far as I know, as far as I know, I don't think there was necessarily anything illegal about a, a citizen talking to a Russian ambassador. As far as I know, I think I could call him. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. I don't know what was said. I'm not really sure. I, I do want to talk about the idea of Russians hacking into the DNC because I know that people on the left tend to blame that for Hillary's loss in the election. Um, well, a couple things. Number one, now you, you know as well as I do that Julian Assange has said the Russians had nothing to do with giving WikiLeaks that information. Are you aware of that? And, and, and the last time I uh, checked, Julian Assange was holed up in the uh, Ecuadorian embassy in Britain and feared that he would be... Um, um, taken away by uh, British bombings. But anyway, no, uh, Flynn, he was the national security advisor um, on the 18th of, uh, of, of November of last year, and um, the sanctions went in, um, what, the, the 16th of December. So uh, he was part of the transition team, but it is illegal to... Um, to represent the United States if you are a non-citizen. Okay, well, for, well, Flynn's resigned now, so you pretty much got your wish there. I want to come back to the Russian hacks, though, because let's actually take a look at what happened. So, let's say it was even Russia. Let's just assume it was Russia, which Julian Assange says it wasn't. I believe Julian Assange simply because, yes, he may be unscrupulous, but I do think that he values the credibility of WikiLeaks and his organization. So I don't think he would... I mean, if it was Russian, he says, yeah, it was Russians. I don't know why, why would he lie and, and, and say, oh, it wasn't Russia. What, what 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 does he care? But let's just assume for the sake of argument that it's the Russians. What actually came out of those leaks? Not a whole hell of a lot, in my opinion. And we learned that John Podesta maybe doesn't like Hillary. We learned that Hillary Clinton actually maybe got some answers to some questions in advance of a debate, which that should tick you off as a Bernie Sanders supporter. Other than that, I don't think that anything that came out of that really made a difference in the election one way or the other. But your take. Well, July the 22nd of 16, you know, WikiLeaks, they did release, um, you know, the, you know, a portion of the uh, emails that were hacked. And, and of course, yeah, they, the Biden administration was uh, favoring uh, Bernie Sanders. Or yes. They were against Bernie Sanders. And that ticked you anyway, off, right? But you still voted for Hillary. Well, yeah, but, but on July the 27th, now here, um, the nominee, Trump, he invites uh, Russia to hack uh, the emails of Clinton. You know, the, where are those 30,000? So he, he's encouraging, you know, Russia to hack more. Well, so um, I, I find, you know, this guy, you know, you know, very unscrupulous and will say anything uh, and do anything. Okay, well, the only thing I can say is I almost thought that it was kind of a joke. What he was, what he said was, he he said, "Hey, Russia, if you got those emails that Hillary Clinton put out there on an unsecured server in somebody's toilet in Colorado, why don't you turn them over so we can have a look at them?" That was almost kind of a joke, in my opinion. Uh, but, but, but the. the thanks, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no. The only thing I can add would be go, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, but the real thrust of of the email hack and the release was to tamper with to uh, uh, discredit the Clinton campaign in any way that it possibly could. Okay. Okay? So that's what was going on uh, with the hacks. And where are the investigations? Okay, well, well, John McCain's calling for him, so, you know, you've got an ally, I guess, there. 
okay, John McCain and uh, Lindsey Graham. Graham. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Lindsey, yeah, that's right. Your friend. Um, uh, so at any rate, uh, so where are the other prominent uh, Republicans that uh, you know, wanted Hillary swinging by a rope? I mean, come on. All right, well, uh, they they are. And, and by the way, yes, by the way, th- these prominent congressional Republicans are hiding. They aren't even going to their town hall meetings. You know why? Because because they they're full of George Soros many, funded leftist many, protesters. Uh, really? You know, Soros, he, he must be richer than uh, than Rex Tillerson. I think he's richer than Trump. You know, I don't even I don't even have those numbers in front of me. <laughs> but you know, the Tea Party did start out as a grassroots um, a movement, mm-hmm. but then it was co-opted by um, the Koch brothers and uh, their and their their astroturf group. I forget the name of it. Uh, Americans for Prosperity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ran by Dick Armey. You know the the Texas legislator, but at any rate, see the guy in Bewitched. Um, no, I'm thinking of somebody else. Sorry. No, he can't dance. <laughs> but um, but these protests are people that probably didn't know the difference between the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare. That they were indeed one of the same, and now that it's revealed they want to repeal that, they've got lots of constituents, both right and left. That what and remember the argument was we want the same insurance as you senators and congressmen have, and now the Republicans want to just roll that back. They want to block grant Medicare. I mean, okay, we're, we're rolling. What they the- wanted. I was going to say, we're rolling into another topic here. Uh, now, Obamacare is going to collapse on its own. It's not like it even needs to be repealed. The, thing, the whole thing's falling apart. Um, but, but coming back, do you actually think that Russian intervention cost you guys the election? Or do you think well, you lost it was, it, was, it was a contributing factor. I'm not going to defend um, Hillary's uh, poor campaign strategy, not visiting Wisconsin. Uh, not doing uh, other stops that you should have, but it helped to contribute. And and if you look at the numbers in those four states, come on. I mean, you know, by the way, as I say... You're talking about Hillary, Wisconsin, so, Pennsylvania, um, uh, uh, Michigan. Uh, Michigan. Uh-huh. And so but, but the last, that last count, Hillary's still up by about 3 million votes. Yes, but again, as we talked about earlier, it wasn't about the popular vote. I, I will tell you one thing. I think if the election were held today, Trump would win the popular vote as well. That's just my take. Just my well, take. Well, you, you can live in that world, Scott. <laughs> All right, very good. Um, I do want to talk about minimum wage. I don't know if we're going to have enough time for that. My opinion, minimum wage, probably the single stupidest, most destructive thing that's going to hit California. You think it's great. Um, I think when when you factor in that if you have employees currently at $10 an hour and it goes to $15 an hour, if you have 10 employees at minimum wage, that's literally $100,000 more that an employer is going to have to burden, uh, which is the difference between survival and not surviving in a lot of instances. You think it's great, though. Well, I do. You know why? Because the more money that you spread around people that work for a living, the more they're going to spread that around through the, uh, through, the through the economy. And Clinton proved this. Okay, he raised Bill did or Hillary? On, Let's, which which one are we talking about here? Bill Clinton? Bill Clinton. Did Bill Clinton raise the minimum wage? 
He didn't raise the minimum wage for okay. what he did do. Um, he raised taxes on, you know, like 3%, you know, from from 36 to 39, something like that. And by doing that, um, you know, he uh, injected, you know, the economy with, uh, with, with money, and uh, it, it circulated around the economy uh, to a greater degree in giving millionaire and billionaires tax breaks, which they just invest. Okay, we're, we're closing in on this segment. I want to hold you over for just a couple more minutes into our final segment. Are you down for that? Because I, resp- I want to respond to everything you said. We'll be right back after a few short messages. It's right versus left, Ken versus me. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. Thanks. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use-of-force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. And welcome back to the Firing Line Radio Show. I am Scott McAfee. I'm the owner of Don's Bicycle Store in Rialto and Redlands. I'm filling in for Phil Naiman this week. Phil is home nursing a boo-boo, so he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Once again, I am not a professional radio talk show host. I just sound like one. I am, I am in, actually not in studio, but on the phone line, I have my friend Ken from Liberal Sonoma. I know you wanted me to introduce you as Ken from Liberal Sonoma. Are there any conservatives in Sonoma? Uh, you know, there are a couple of Trump stickers. <laughs> it's like, they're oh. on these, these broken-down pickup trucks, you know? <laughs> and they have gun racks in those pickup trucks, too, or...? Those broken too. Okay, nice. Well, very good. We were we were talking about the minimum wage. That was my topic. I want to throw it, Ken. Um, in my opinion, and I know you mentioned that you think raising the minimum wage to fifteen. I mean, do you have a limit? I mean, how about twenty bucks an hour? Would 20... Well, you know, I I, I do I do. How What's about your limit? A, how about a minimum maximum wage? What, what, okay, CEO, what does that mean? Well, the CEOs cannot earn more than say oh a hundred times their. Uh, uh, they're starting employee. Why? You know, why, why, why? Ha- why have a CEO make, uh, you know, $450 million a year um, when they're, they're starting uh, employees making, oh, 12? Well, here's the reason you know, for that. So- Here, the reason for that is that if you're a CEO of a company, that means that everyone within that company thinks you are so brilliant and you've made that company a ton of money. You are the best of the best. You're the brightest, sharpest, hardest working person within that organization. There are multiple, multiple examples of people who started the very bottom rungs of a company and worked their way to become management or even a CEO as a result of their talent. The point is that talent and, and, and your 
ability to perform for a company makes you worth 450 million or whatever whatever it is that they're willing to pay uh because that a lot of the companies their success depends upon those people so that i think that's the answer to that question no yeah i i think the real answer is is that you got better stock options and by the way no employee can work that hard you can't talk on six phones and you know i mean there's just no place in america for that kind of way so you want the government to regulate how much people can make no i I, well Well, that's what you just said i i didn't use the word government okay well who's gonna who's gonna determine what somebody makes then well um okay yeah the government by paying by paying workers more. Okay, so we're... And you know what? We'll be able to buy more crap that they make. And so maybe they end up with a better stock package. Okay, well, okay, look, the, the only thing I can say about that, when I look at raising minimum wage from $10 to $15 an hour, the, the big argument I think you've made to me as well is that nobody can earn a living wage on 10 bucks an hour. Do you stand by that comment? Well, it's awfully difficult. Okay. And I would counter that by saying that, and I, I have some minimum wage employees now. Granted, most of my employees, I have about 20 employees. Most of them do make more than minimum wage. But typically, the minimum wage people are high school students or somebody that just graduated out of high school. This is not necessarily going to be their career, but it's kind of an entryway into the workforce. Um, and those are typically the majority of people who, who occupy minimum wage jobs. The problem is, if you take minimum wage from $10 to $15 an hour, I, I as an employer, can no longer hire those people. Number one, it's not economically feasible. Number two, it's they're just not worth 15 bucks an hour to have somebody that's completely untrained and unskilled. Um, n- not only that, but I, when you talk about taking minimum wage, again, 10 to $15 an hour, businesses want to survive and businesses want to, you know, God forbid, earn a profit. And if you do things to make life more difficult for businesses, which is the complete lifeblood of any society, without small businesses that employ 80% of the people out there, there's no nothing. There's no teachers. There's no firefighters. There's no police officers. If you make life difficult for those individuals, including myself, then all that stuff just goes out the window. If businesses go out of business, then nobody's employed. But, but go ahead. Again, again, when you... Put more money down to working class people. Distribute the wealth. To buy things. Distribute the wealth. Uh-huh. Then they're going to buy more bikes. They're going to buy more guns. They're going to buy more um, rifle racks. They're going to buy more cars. And um, there's been study after study that um, uh, the raising the minimum wage does uh, not produce unemployment. It uh it spurs economic increase and, and productivity, and um, so. Well, we're gonna we're gonna find out pretty yeah, quick. I, I, we're gonna find out pretty quick well, whether it causes I, I, unemployment or not. You you raise you just raise uh, your employees from whatever you're paying them eight the minimum in California Correct. to ten dollars. Yes, because I had to. Well, I was required now, by law. Okay, now how did that affect? their lives how did that affect uh, your business your bottom line um well fortunately we've had we've had some growth so we're able to pay for it but see part oh. of the okay but but hang on you the, the idea of raising the minimum wage is based upon the assumption that those businesses can afford to do that what if they don't have the money every business only has x amount of dollars for payroll and and it's not like this unlimited amount you can just keep pulling more and more out of so the the the, the idea that well, you know and I, I can't speak for every business but i know there's a lot of businesses out there they're hanging on by a stinking thread
red. And if you all of a sudden take their payroll up another hundred grand, like I just gave the instance, if you have 10 employees at $10 an hour, it goes up to 15 bucks. Now that's an extra hundred thousand dollars that comes out of the bottom line of that business. That's assuming that hundred grand is even there. What if it's not? That means people are going to get laid off or, or it means inflation. Yeah, I, I mean, the donut place is still down there, you know, there's a lot. For of, now. Um, well, again, um, there's other economic you know, factors involved in the success or failure of somebody's business. Now, maybe it's the model, maybe it's the competition, you know, there's a lot of different things. So um, you just can't say raising the minimum wage is going to eliminate you know, the small business. It won't. Well, I didn't Absolutely. say eliminate. I said, but it's going to make life very, very difficult. And some businesses, I think, I fear, will be eliminated. Worst case scenario, you're going to have burritos that were three bucks a, a burrito. Now they're six bucks a burrito. That hurts, of course, who? The lower no, class. No, no, no. You see, Scott, you see, and in, in, we talked about uh, in, in Sweden or Denmark. Nope. The minimum wage is twenty bucks. You don't want to bring hour. up Sweden right now. There's some towns on fire over there, but go ahead. Oh yeah, that terrorist attack. Huh? Well, it's not a terrorist attack. Just the refugees are rioting in certain cities. I'm sorry, I don't want to digress. Uh, though, go no, no. go with your thought. So, anyway, thought. so so the 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 minimum wage is twenty dollars an hour. The uh, effective increase for a Big Mac is like a quarter, twenty five cents. Um, so. It, you know, rising tide looks all boats. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Ken, this has been an absolutely fun, and I knew it would be fantastic interview. Lots of ideas going back. Now, here's what I want everybody to notice. Ken and I are still friends. We could go out and have a beer after the show, and we'd still be fine. Isn't that right, Ken? Hey, that's right. And I'll invite you up for some California green. <laughs> You're too funny. Ken, thank you so much for being on the air. Hannity and Combs, look out. It's the Scott and Ken show coming your way. Ken, have a good one, man. I love you, man. All right. You take care, Scott. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So as we wrap up the show, uh, the firing line, I thought that was fun. I, I really enjoy discussions like that, lively debates. One thing I did want to uh, discuss, Phil and I discussed this before I came on the air, was the recent shooting of a Whittier police officer. And this, this was Officer Keith Boyer as he and another officer responded to a car crash in which uh, this, was, this was a released felon. This was Michael Mejia uh, was released uh, from prison um, and he shot, pulled out a gun and shot at the officers, prompting an exchange of gunfire that left all three injured and hospitalized. Actually, well, the, the one officer passed away. This this is re- relating to a problem of the early release uh, uh, legislation that Governor Brown uh, just put out. And, and the officers actually, uh, members of the police department actually spoke out on this. Um, one of the uh, the gentlemen who spoke referred to a, a a nationwide move to reduce incarceration. We're talking about um, propositions uh, AB 109 and and, and uh, uh, it was AB 109 where it was an early release early release program. So here you have this individual that's a multiple felon. This guy actually was convicted in 2010 of second degree robbery with, with a street gang sen- uh, sentencing. Uh, enhancement. He got a total prison sentence of four years, right? He he was credited for 302 days. He, he was paroled in 2014. And then six months later, he's returned to state prison for grand auto theft and vehicle theft. He received a total of four years, but running concurrent to the initial sentence of only, he only 
ended up serving two years. And then he's released from county probation department. Since then, he's been arrested in L.A. County at least six times. Jail records show. So this guy's this guy's released and he takes the life of a police officer. And it's one more example. How do you, how do you fix the gun problem in this country? Well, I don't claim to know all the answers, but I do know this. The idea of letting people out early when they're supposed to serve long prison sentences is a huge mistake. I acknowledge that it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to keep people incarcerated. But here now we have a recent example of a police officer who is dead as a result of somebody serving too short of a sentence than what they should be. It's wrong. It needs to be stopped. And it's also one more example of, of of California legislation gone wild, and, and now it's resulted in the death of, of, of a great officer. So we're all saddened by that news, and it's it's one more example, once again, of 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 why it, why it stinks to live in California. I'm sorry. Hey, it's been great hosting this show for you today. Phil will be back in two weeks. I, I all you guys have a great rest of your weekend, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, by Evolution Sports in Redlands, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.